Hello again, everyone, and welcome to The Crusher. I'm your host, Josh Brewster, and you know, there's a uh, there's a great American who I met during my years of uh, working, doing radio for the Anaheim Ducks, and uh, he's a very impressive guy. He's worn a lot of hats uh, in the business he's in. He's been an actor, a producer, a, a radio host, a TV host, and now he is the host of the very long-running Sports Lodge on AM830, uh, the channel uh, I was on for many years, AM830 here in, in Southern California, uh, the home of Angels Radio, and of course the horse, the host of the Sports Lodge is none other than Roger Lodge. Roger, thank you for joining me today on The Crush. Gosh, this is awesome, man. Big thrill for me to be here. I've always been a big fan of yours. I think you're well aware of that, so thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you. Well, I'll tell you what, Roger. Uh, people know you from a lot of different arenas and certainly in the entertainment business that you're in. I also fa failed to mention that you're also a producer. We're going to get into that. Uh, but why don't you catch people up on what you've been doing for, I think, the last 13 or 14 years now on the Sports Lodge on AM830. I was shocked to learn just the other day when someone at the office told me that when we hit the next season of Angels Baseball and the station that I'm on, AM830, is the home of Angels Baseball, as you're well aware of, this will be my 15th year at the station. So the Sports Lodge has been rolling for 15 years. Nice. And uh, I'm really proud of that because, as you well know, this is a tough industry. Uh, it's it's the number two radio market in the country. So to, to be around as long as uh, I have with the Sports Lodge. I'm pretty proud of that, Josh. I really am. Well, look, you do a tremendous job, and I've always uh, enjoyed being on the show back when I was uh, back when I was in the NHL. So, Roger, you know, folks know you from Blind Date, and I, I want to ask you about that in a bit, but uh, what they may not know is that you're actually a successful television producer, and I wanted to uh, you to fill us in, you know, as best you can, without uh, revealing any state secrets, uh, you know, what kinds of projects you've been involved in? Because I know uh, that there's a lot of things I don't think people know about your career. You know, it's funny because when you go back to when Blind Date first started uh, and the first season, I was pretty much just, you know, showing up and, and reading a prompter. And, and that was my job. I was the host of the show. But as time went on and just being fortunate enough to be around some some really successful people and, you know, Josh, way back in the day, I used to just cold call people and a lot more successful than me and had a lot going on in their lives. And, uh, you know, guys like Ryan Seacrest and I was living, my old roommate is John Stamos from, from Full House and, you know, John has gone on to many different things and is amazing. Uh, but I just learned from guys like that that you can't just show up and be the host and go home. If you really want to make yourself, you know, valuable in the industry, you got to wear different hats. You got to bring more than just showing up and reading a prompter to a project. So the second year of Blind Date, I really made a push to become a, uh, I think back then, you know, the whole non-union thing or whatever. I think I was known as a host producer because I would write my every word that came out of my mouth on Blind Date watching those dates I had written. And so uh, just being around guys like that, I was really, really lucky to learn that you have to bring a lot of different, especially nowadays, Josh, as you well know, nowadays with uh, you know so many budgets being slashed across the industry, 
You got to make yourself a big part of the project. You have to write, you have to produce, you have to host, whatever it is, but make yourself valuable. And that's what I've done now. I've been lucky enough to do that for the last, you know, 10, 15 years. That's fantastic. So uh, can you just clue me in on, a, on any TV projects that uh, we may not know that you were behind? Well, as soon as Wine Date was done, uh, I came up with an idea called Celebrity Date, which was just basically blind date, but with celebrities on the dates. And one night I'm watching a Laker game against the Dallas Mavericks, and there's Mark Cuban. They kept showing him on the TV. And uh, I had a little bit of a relationship with Mark from playing in a couple of charity basketball games with him. Another guy who was kind of a mentor for me, great guy incredibly intelligent obviously and so i'm wow. sitting there watching the laker game and i and i started texting him and i basically in the first quarter of a lakers mavericks game i was texting him my idea for celebrity date by the fourth quarter of that game he had me on the phone with his business people putting together a deal and i sold him celebrity date. and it's a show that lasted two seasons on his cable network at the time access tv and i was so proud of it because I wrote it, I produced it, I booked the guests, I was doing so many different things on that show, uh, so that's one project that I'll always be really prou proud of, and then we've sold some game show ideas to different companies around town, and uh, some are in development as we speak, so I, I, I gotta tell you, Josh, uh, as you get a little older in the industry, uh, you got to work at this. It's hard work, yeah. man. Every single day, I, I'm up at 6, 6.30 in the studio getting ready for four hours of radio every afternoon, yeah. but at the same time trying to put together other projects as well. But I love it. I'm a, I'm a grinder. I dominate. I, yeah. my, my, my motto that I stole from Doc Rivers when Doc was coaching the Clippers out here in L.A., you have to dominate the details. I'm a big detail guy, and uh, so I work really hard at this. Well, you know, I'll tell you what, I, I saw the title of a book. I don't even know if I need to read the book because the title made so much sense. It's, it's called um, Be Obsessed or Be Average. And, you know, it makes a lot of sense. And I, when I meet young people, uh, you know, I tell them, I, you know, I know you want to, let's say I know you want to be an actor or I know you want to be a musician or whatever you want to be. <clears throat> be prepared to do anything in that industry. Because, uh, you know, it, it, you know, it doesn't mean you're not going to be a rock star or a big actor or whatever, but, you know, you got to stage manage, you got to produce, you got to write, mop the floor, make the cold calls. I'm so impressed with that, Roger, because, um, you know, I, I mean, I, I, it's not going to make this about me, but, you know, the way I got to the NHL, if anybody is actually interested, is that I started producing uh, things that now are called podcasts, but I started producing web radio before there was such an animal as web radio. And I would just cold call celebrities from the hockey world. And sooner or later, the Ducks uh, took notice of this. And the way I got to the Ducks was one day they had changed the name from Mighty Ducks to Ducks. And I was there covering this. And I just did the, you know, plug your nose, one, two, three, jump. And I walked up to uh, the head of broadcasting for the Ducks, Aaron Teets. And I said, you know, if there's anything I can ever do for you, even if it's just once in a while, give me a call. And one month later, after five years of doing this for free, uh, I got a call and I was with the Ducks. And that's another thing, you know, I'm, you know, got to be willing to do things for nothing if you have to, right? I mean, you got to question. 
With that you know, question, I'm so glad you said that. And if there's if, if if we help one person right now who's watching this, uh, I think the number one thing would be because I get phone calls and I get emails and I get text messages all week long from people who just they, they want to work in the sports lodge. They want to produce. They want to they want to get started in the industry. Well, give me some advice. What do I do? How can I come work for you? And I always tell people just wherever it is, whatever radio station, whatever television station, whatever it is, if you want to be in this industry, find a way to just get in the building, just get in the door and just get, I don't, like you mentioned, if it's getting coffee for the host and the staff, if it just yep. get in the building somehow, yep. some way, and eventually at some point, if you make your way around people who make decisions in the industry, and they see how hard you work. And by the way, I don't care if you went to Syracuse, and I don't That's care right. if you went to the University of Miami. That's right. I don't care where you are. That's right. But if you're passionate, if you're passionate, enthusiastic, and positive, man, that puts you ahead of a lot of people and, in this business. And as you mentioned the details, they say the devil's in the details. And if you're involved in the details all day, uh, I handled, you know, on duck calls, I handled every single thing. Everything you heard come out over the air was from me. So on that note, I see uh, Otani over your shoulder there. Yeah. And I see I see some Lakers stuff. So now, look, Roger, for a guy who has to do what you do, and I'm appreciating this now because now that I'm not in the NHL, I don't have to have every statistic in my head at all times. My brain is emptied out a little bit. Um, you have to know you do four hours a day. Yeah. of sports. So you've got you've got to spend a lot of time before you hit the air on what's going on out there. Who knows who you're going to be talking to today on the Sports Lodge? Here's what people don't realize. When I do four hours every afternoon, I need two hours of prep for one hour yep. of airtime. That's, That's always right. been my motto. So yep. two hours for every hour of prep. Because, Josh, another thing is, here I am doing sports now, and if it weren't for Jim Rome, who's basically a radio icon, yep. giving me an opportunity back in the day to come on and fill in on his radio show, uh, I don't know if I'd be, uh, you know, working 15 years later still in radio. But he gave me an opportunity because I think he recognized the hard work that I put into this. A quick story: I originally came on his television show as as kind of like a clown show, like a circus act. Hey. Let's get the blind date guy to come on and talk about sports. That should be funny. And then when we got done, Jim was like, wait a second. You actually know what the hell you're talking about. This was really great. So he kept yeah. bringing me back. And Josh, I grew up in Southern California. And I was lucky enough to grow up uh, like many of us here in SoCal with Chick Hearn and Bob Miller and, uh, you know, Vince Scully and Dick yeah. Emberg was calling Angel Games. I was a sport fanatic my entire life. Yeah. Moved up to L.A. Stamos and I moved up to L.A. together. Had a little apartment. And uh, he was uh, what well, he was uh, doing General Hospital at the time, a, a daytime uh, soap opera. And I was kicking around, waiting tables and going to acting class and trying to get jobs, trying somehow, some way to get in. And I kind of stumbled across the whole, uh, you know, hosting thing. And when Jim gave me that opportunity... It was, it was amazing, and I'll never forget it because I'm so grateful that he gave me that opportunity. But I was ready. When I, when I started, you know, I had been 
on Hollywood Boulevard interviewing people with a microphone uh, just to practice and do it. I'd go up to Dodger Stadium and interview fans and put it on video. So the first time I ever hit the airwaves as a fill-in host for Greg Kinnear on Talk Soup at E! Oh, Entertainment, yeah. Oh, yeah. Great that, show. that wasn't the first time I actually right. done because I had been doing right. it on my own for, you know, many years before that. Yeah, no, it's interesting. All the and and you know, like you mentioned, uh, it's doing it for free, doing it just to get the practice in, and yeah. and you know, you can sit there and bang your head on the wall and go, "This isn't going anywhere," or you can say, "I'm going to have faith." I think your story is one of great faith. Now, now you know this is coming, Raj. Okay, <laughs> I, I'm watching right now. I am addicted to World's Dumbest. Okay, this show yes. has not shot an episode in almost 10 years. Right. But I can't take my eyes off the screen. I've watched every episode at least 20 times. And uh, I applaud you. I think someone should walk into your room there right now and give you an Emmy right now for what you did. So you've got to tell me about World's Dumbest. Folks, if I have to fill you in on what it is, it's a bunch of comedians and, uh, and other personalities commenting on great video clips. It's one of the funniest things I've ever seen on television. And Roger was hilarious on it. So tell me about, uh, the, tell me about how you got world's dumbest. I mean, you were on blind date and everything, but how did you get into world's dumbest? And then how did you shoot it? Did they write you lines or did you just riff? Okay. So the folks at meeting house, that's the production company that, that did the show in New York contacted my, my agent and they said, Hey, well, the blind date guy be willing to come in and just, you know, do our show once and see how it kind of goes. And, and, uh, so they called me and they asked me if I'd come in and do it. And I, obviously you want to know what the show's about and what's going on. So they explained it to me and I thought, wait a minute, this is uh, this is a great opportunity to show some comedic chops. So they, what they would do is they would send us the videotapes or the clips we were going to see and then you're just, you know, you go ahead and write whatever you're going to say coming out of those clips. Now, I had good practice for seven years in first-run syndication coming out of that ridiculous video on Blind Date. So I, I kind of knew what I was doing a little bit. But when, when you've got th that comedy goal that they hand-delivered to you yeah. on World's Dumbest, I mean, that was it was so fun. The, 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 uh, the staff was great. The crew was great. The material was just pure, pure gold to work with. It was awesome. Oh, a great it was run. Amazing. A really great run. And then I think Impractical Jokers kind of came on and they became the, yeah. the, the, the show on, on True TV. But we had a great run on World's Thumbest, no question. It should still be on the air. <laughs> I, I'm ready to go. I'm ready for a screen test. I sit here and talk to the screen while I'm watching the show. I, I'm I'm telling. I, I can't. I'm. I'm. I'm way geeked up about World's Dumbest. It's just the way. Hey, 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 Josh. When you're doing a show and the name of that particular episode is World's Dumbest Partiers. I mean, come best. on. It's, it's the it, best. They, it's a layup that a you know. It's Roger, just a layup for you. My favorite bit. I. If, I don't know if you remember this one. There's a guy who there's a there's a funeral, okay? There's a funeral, and there's a portrait of the guy who's who's died, and it's right in front of his casket. And this guy does an interpretive dance, okay, all the way down the aisle, and then he crashes into the guy's portrait, and then he keeps doing his his fabulous dance. I 
It's still one of the funniest things I've ever seen. And by the way, and when I die, I want you to do that dance. It's just up. All right. All right. Now, listen, listen, um, here's here's what I want to backtrack to a bit. Let's talk. Um, let's talk about your your acting career, because, I mean, I don't know when you're going to pop up on another movie or play or whatever, but there's something if, if you're an actor. OK. And I think you may have started as an actor. If I'm, Is that right? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. I was kicking right. around trying to get little bit parts. Okay. Yeah. All right. Here's another key thing for all all you kids watching out there. If you're if you're an actor the way I was an actor, and then you realize that you have to, uh, you have to um, develop other skills. You have to go down other avenues. How did that impact your ego, or were you able to say, you know what, I need more more tools for my kit. I need to I need to accept that there needs to be more tools to my kit. Um, or did that mess with your ego at all? You know what, Josh? I think for me it was I constantly was looking for ways to take myself out of my comfort zone. I wanted to always do things that I'd never done before. I was always looking for ways to uh, to really try to push myself. I got okay. Here's a great story. I was kicking around waiting tables trying to get my first acting job. They bring me in for an old daytime soap opera called Santa Barbara. It was on NBC. Jan Powell was the uh, assistant casting director. So I go in to meet, and it was kind of a general interview, and the interview's going great. We're hitting it off. And right before the meeting ended, a lady came in and handed him a piece of paper And he said, well, Roger, it was great meeting you. Thanks for coming in. I don't have anything for you right now. And then the lady hands him a piece of paper. And he he says to me, oh, wait a minute, before you leave, unless you want to do this one day voiceover on the show. Well, I had just had my first child. I was looking to make some money any way I could other than waiting tables. And this is a man offering me one line voiceover on a daytime soap opera that nobody watched called Santa Barbara. So of course I took the job and it was a one, I was a sinister town, uh, let's just say bad guy who was running around and accosting young women on the show. And so I did the voiceover and then that story kind of got some legs and they brought me back in to do another voiceover. Then they put me on camera with a ski mask. So I was like the town, uh, you know, villain with a ski mask. Josh, I ended up getting six months on a nice. daytime soap opera. Why? Because I was willing to do anything to get in the door. It started with a one day voiceover and it turned into six months and paid for a lot of diapers, uh, for yeah. my firstborn. And then they called me in the office. Um, uh, for the executive producer called me in the office and said, okay, I got good news and I got bad news. We're going to reveal who the town villain is after six months of doing this. And the bad news is it's not going to be you. Because if we pull the mask off of you, everyone's going to say, who the hell is that guy? So they pulled the mask off and it was a guy on the show, a, a regular that you would never expect to be the bad guy. So he took all my glory of my six months of being a villain on Santa Barbara. But I took the job and and, and it built into something. 
Burt Reynolds told me once, many, many years ago, take every job. You never know where it's going yeah. to go. Absolutely. You know, and they, the people always, had, uh, they once asked Michael Caine, why are you in so many movies that just weren't even good, right? Yeah. And he said, because when you're 30 years old and you can't even afford to buy a plate of spaghetti, when they call you for work, you say yes. Yep. That's what it is. Yep. So anyway, now listen, you brought up John Stamos's name. You guys were roommates. Everybody knows this. Yeah. Okay. You've got to help me with something. Jennifer Aniston, I've done a complete analysis of this. Analysis okay. of this. All right. All right. Jennifer Aniston and John Stamos are two people, and I think they're the only two people, who get better looking as yeah. they get older. I am convinced they are both space aliens. Are you willing to help me with my investigation? I'm here for you at this point. <laughs> 13 years we lived together, and uh, I got to tell you, it, it was... It's even now, it's tough because you're around this guy and he's so damn handsome. It's tough to be around him because the guy's so good looking. But uh, I got to tell you, it's interesting, Josh, because a lot of people always say to me, because when we were living together, he was on top of the world, full house, making a fortune, yeah. uh, you know, a, t a teen idol. Everybody wanted to be Uncle Jesse. And people used to ask me, man, isn't it hard living with him? Uh the fact that he's making all this money and you're waiting tables and you know you're you're a waiter are you jealous of him at all the only time i was ever jealous of john stamos is true story the only time i was ever jealous of john stamos was walking into his house one day and he was sitting on the couch with his father who he was very close to. And they were sitting arm in arm watching a football game. And that's the only time I was jealous of him because my real dad left home when I was three years old and never came back again. But the only time I was jealous of Stamos was because he was so close to his dad and I always wished I would have had that. Well, listen, I, 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 you know what? I also think, and I didn't mean to make this the John Stamos show, but... Uh, no, please and, do. I love and, talking and, about... And, and, look, and that's funny. Because, hey, Josh, because... A lot of people accuse me of talking too much about my relationship to, no. with John Stamos. But let me tell you something. I, I, I could talk about him all day because he's such an amazing guy and had such a positive influence in my life. He's like a brother to me. I love him like a brother. Wow. And he's had such a great influence and gave me so many opportunities. And he's always ready to teach. And I've learned from him over the years so much. Well, let me tell you something. I've known some some people like, um, you know, John Resnick is the singer of the Goo Goo Dolls, right? Of course. Uh, the reason I was able to get on the radio had a lot to do with uh, his bandmate, Robbie Takak, showing me how to produce audio. Okay, it's a long story. But, you know, John never got his credit, I don't think, for being as good a guitarist as he is because he's so damn good looking. And, 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 and John Stamos, I think a lot of people underestimate who he is as a person because he's, you know, he's so outwardly good looking, but I'll tell you something about, let me tell you something about that guy. When you look at the end of Don Rickles life and oh, one yeah. of his, one of his best friends was Stamos. Yeah. I think that speaks volumes about Stamos because, you know, Don's 80 years old and, you know, but, but John, he, I know he had him sitting when they roasted Rickles, Rickles had him sit next to him. And yeah. I think it really goes to show you what kind of a guy uh, your friend is. 
No question. And then it's also the same case with Gary Marshall towards the end of his life, the great producer, the director. Uh, there are other people like that as well. And Don Rickles, Gary Marshall, Jack Klugman. Yeah. Johnny did a show with Jack Klugman called You Again that was on for a brief time on NBC. During that show, I worked as John's stand-in. And there were a lot of days when, and that's another, uh, another uh, example there of taking a job just to be around yeah. great people, successful people. There were often days where John had to go do something in wardrobe or he had to go do something uh, press-wise, press-related. So I found myself as a young up-and-coming actor on a stage doing scenes with Jack Klugman. And let, me tell, you this, and let me tell you this story about Klugman. So John and I are, at the time, he's maybe 22, 23. I'm, you know, I'm two years older than him, so I'm in my mid-20s. And we were basically doing this, working on the show together, you know, trying to meet girls and, you know, impress, get 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 a few dates here and there. That's, you know, because that's kind of the reason I got into the business, to, to look cool in front of girls. I wanted to meet girls. So we're working on this show with Jack Lugman. And we go to lunch one day with some female extras and we're having a good time. It's practically a party on the set. And after lunch, we had to walk back to our dressing rooms and we had to walk through the studio. The studio is now dark. Everyone's gone. Everyone's out to lunch. But from down the down a ways on the studio, we heard this rustle and bustle and some guy was like cursing himself. And we walked down there to see what's going on down here in the dark during lunchtime. And it's it's Emmy award-winning actor Jack Klugman working by himself to perfect a comedy bit that he had to do on the show that week. And that right there stuck with me forever. And it really made me think that, wow, to be truly great, it takes a lot of work. Yep. To be truly great... And have you know a, a lasting career? You got to work at this. And I learned that lesson from Jack Klugman, and it goes back to dominating the details. It was one little comedy bit, but there's an Emmy Award guy getting better, as great as he was. After the yeah. Odd Couple and Quincy, if anybody could have phoned it in, it would have been Jack yeah. Klugman. But that's not the way he operated, and I always remembered that. Excellent. Well, Roger, I I really appreciate you joining me on uh, the Crusher today. You know, I told you before we started, I got the special backdrop because Rick James is dead. And so I said, who is schmove enough to deserve the, the tiger print? None other than Roger Lodge. Roger, thank you so much for joining me today. Great insights. And, you know, I, I love you. And, and I, I really appreciate you joining me today. Yeah, I love you too, brother. Before I leave you, I just want to say this. You are a treasure in this industry. I've always been a big fan of yours. Oh, Keep it you. rolling, brother. And I'm, I'm starting to think now with that new background, maybe instead of referring to this podcast as The Crusher, I think we should start referring it to maybe as The Super Freak with Josh Brewster. That's what nice. we're looking at with that background. Nice. I think we can move some product, Roger. Thank you very much. And, uh, and thanks again for joining me. Thanks, Josh.